Goddag og velkommen til The Pipe. En række af podcasts, hvor Ogilvy sætter fokus på, hvad der skal til for at skabe brands, der gør en forskel, og hvordan brands når det mål. Mit navn er Katrine Vejby. Hvilken styrke ligger der i de sociale medier, hvis man bruger dem rigtigt? Og hvordan skal brands bruge de sociale medier til at bygge et brand, der virkelig gør en forskel? I denne podcast taler jeg med Thomas Crampton, Head of Social hos Ogilvy, som mener, der lige nu er kæmpe gevinster for de brands, der bruger de sociale medier på en mere intelligent måde. Vi taler med Thomas om, hvad deep social betyder. Altså, hvordan brands graver et skridt dybere ned og går fra at lave overfladisk indhold til i stedet for at fokusere på historie og oplevelser og går fra meningsløse forbindelser med forbrugeren til indholdsrige samtaler. Men først fortæller Thomas Crampton, hvorfor så mange brands overser de muligheder, der findes på de sociale medier lige nu. There's a lot of what I would call shallow social going on. Shallow social is where you have a aimless connections and meaningless content. Aimless connections. You have brands, businesses, organizations looking to build connections for no particular reason. This is when you're going after likes, follows, retweets. You're really chasing after something that you think is an objective, but really what is the underlying purpose for what you're doing that? So that's sort of the aimless connections. The meaningless content is where people have set themselves up to fill a channel that they are then struggling to keep alive. So I think we ought to be on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook or Twitter. Yes, also to, and, and Snapchat. Now Snapchat. And you're just racing to fill these these channels with content. And as a result, you you, know, you set up a nice little content calendar, what you're going to cover each time. Da, da, da. And in the end, you're just churning out this content that really doesn't have much meaning beyond a member of staff in the marketing department being able to tick off that they did one piece of content per day. And you're not thinking about the audience. You're really thinking about internal concerns about that content. So that's really the, the two elements that I'd highlight in what is going wrong right now in social. It's it's these aimless connections, connecting with as large an audience for no particular reason, and meaningless content, which is content that's put out for the sake of saying, okay, we've put out content today. What should they do instead? Instead of this shallow social, what really needs to take place is something I'd call deep social. Deep social is something that is structured around building the brand business uh, reputation of a company. Deep social is, is quite difficult to do on some levels, but on other levels, it makes much more sense. So instead of starting from the premise that we need to do something on Facebook, let's start from the premise that we need to solve a business problem. What is our business challenge? It could be that we're not recruiting the right people to our organization. So how are we going to reach out to high-performing potential employees, or maybe we need to raise awareness about our company or a campaign that we're involved in or some CSR. What, what is a problem we're trying to solve? And once you start with that higher level question of what is the problem I'm trying to solve and don't go in with what are we going to do on Facebook, starting with that higher problem, you will find that particularly when you look at the role that social can play throughout the consumer journey, there is a tremendously powerful role that social can play. And it's important to go through this in a rational, strategic manner rather than slapdash way. So this means you look at the consumer journey. What is the purchase process? What is the path to purchase? How does it take place? It's not a linear thing anymore. It takes place all over the place. And what I like about this rational approach is even when 
you take someone who is highly skeptical about the value of social media and you put them through this in a rigorous way, at the end of it, you will see that not only is there a role for social in every element of the path to purchase by a consumer, but you will find that your competitors are doing nothing in most of those domains. You'll find that they're all focused, depending on the industry, on one particular element of social. So this opens up not only the mind of the company that they need to get involved in social, and social plays more than just a single one-dimensional role, but they'll also see what their competitive advantage is. Where's the blue ocean? Where's something that they can do that none of their competitors are doing that can give them a real edge? So one example of how we can use social in, in a deeper way is a campaign we did out of China, which was trying to find ways to build connection between Chinese outbound tourists and Britain. It turns out that Chinese find Britain a little bit cold, distant, uh, hard to build a connection with it, difficult to pronounce names. On the flip side, we've recognized that for the last several hundred years, Britain has put its name, put its place names everywhere around the world. You know, wh where in the world doesn't have British place names, uh, thanks to the British Empire in large part. So the, with th those sort of two insights in mind, we started a campaign on social media, which allowed people in China to put their preferred place names on places in the UK and events in the UK. And it turned into a huge hit in China as people tried to put the names on it. The British ambassador got involved. The, you know, and it, it started, you got this really snowball effect of a lot of people, not just from on social, but then more broadly talking about this out in the outside world. And the end effect was TV or video that we shared again online that showed people coming up with these very, some of them very funny names. You know, the, the Highland Games was called the Strongman Skirt Party. The Gherkin in London was called the, the Pickled Little Cucumber. Hadrian's Wall was called the Backbone. So there's so, so some very interesting and amusing names that, that came through on that. And it really gave a much more human face to Britain. And we found that as a result of that, the perception of the UK was shifted and the tourism actually did go up following that. So that's one example of how social was very much embedded in that. It wasn't a campaign on social. It wasn't putting ads out in social. It was using social as an insight. Did it create more of a connection between the English people and the, the Chinese as well? Yes, absolutely. The whole thing was about conversation. The whole thing was based on conversation. And the end product that came out of it was a very nice video, which was really just a recording of that conversation. So really what you're doing is showing this coming together of people in Britain and in China uh, over this, this, this issue and building the ties between them. So it's, it's an interesting way of having that deeper level of social. I think in this case, what you're doing is you are getting people engaged and you're getting people exchanging and doing things in relation to the brand. In the past, it would much more be about a broadcast message uh, about something that's being projected. Here, you're really offering an experience that people can feel upfront and really get engaged with. These are sort of the examples of a much deeper form of social than just doing a tweet. These are things where you're giving people deep stories and experiences. And these deep stories and experiences are that much more important if you want to distinguish yourself now. Because this is quite psychological as well, isn't it? I mean, if we're talking about what kind of values are around this brand, what kind of 
emotions are connected with the brand. Yeah, I mean, it is much more complex than a one-dimensional brand because in the past, you could create a one-dimensional brand and get away with it. In the world of social, the challenge is you have to take that one-dimensional brand and make it three-dimensional, four-dimensional four over time as well, because what you're doing is you are creating something that can react and engage, which it didn't have to do in the past. And that's much more complicated. That's much more complicated in terms of understanding the personality of the brand. What is the social personality of ketchup? I mean, that's not, not something you have to have thought of five years ago, 10 years ago, you'd have a, your positioning. Okay, there we go. Now, if you're engaging, you have to figure out what is the proper way for this brand to engage? Where are the areas where this brand has permission to engage and where does it not have permission to engage? And what is the type of brand we want to build? And this requires a much richer level of thinking. But when you get to that, when you go through that level of thinking, you can arrive at something that is much more powerful than what we used to be able to produce as a brand. But it also demands much more of you as well, doesn't it, in terms of working with a brand? I mean, you need much more information from them. Who are the people that use that brand? It demands much deeper conversations with the brand than the former situation. But sadly, brands don't always know as much as they should about their audiences. And that's one of the fundamental things that they're having to come to terms with. Maybe they know the demographic they want to sell to, 25-year-olds in Copenhagen, but they don't know what are their interests, what inspires them, what are the kinds of things that they'd want to share, how does this audience engage with one another, and those are the kinds of questions that they have to be able to answer now in order to engage with, the, with that demographic. So now you really have to understand your audience much better. So really we're shifting in the era of social from much more of a marketing mindset of broadcast to much more of a publisher mindset. And by publisher mindset, what I mean is not a newspaper editor that sits back with a fat cigar and decides what's going to be in the newspaper, but more in the sense of a publisher from the point of view of a Google or BuzzFeed, where you have a deep understanding of how people are engaging around this topic and what they're saying and what they're doing. And without that understanding, you're not going to be able to create the content that is necessary for your brand to be able to engage with them. It used to be that if I went onto a Facebook page and I wrote, left a message for the brand, and they didn't respond, I think, oh, okay, well, I guess they're not really paying attention to Facebook. Now, if I leave a message to a brand on a Facebook page and they don't reply to me, I actually think that they're an unresponsive brand. I think that they're actually not paying attention to their customers. I think they don't like me as a customer. And suddenly, something that was an added thing that the communications department was doing on the side, a Facebook page, has become part of the brand experience. If I have a bad experience in a shop where I'm buying something, I'm going to remember that. If I have a bad experience now on Facebook, I'm going to remember that. So the brand is now being built and potentially destroyed in so many new ways. And companies have a challenge dealing with that because they approached all of these initially through a very siloed approach that might no longer be so valid as it was before or is no longer as valid as it was before. Digital and social ready does not mean that you have done it all. It means that you have a mindset that you're ready to keep changing because change is going to be the new constant at this point. If history proves any guide, you might be good on Facebook now, but what have you done on Snapchat? Are you paying attention to the changes that Snapchat is bringing? You know, and there's always going to, you know, WeChat. Are you dealing with the next generation of Facebook Messenger? So the companies that do best are those that have a change mindset built into what they're doing. It does not depend on size, it does not depend on age, it does not depend on industry. 
What it depends on is the senior leadership. If we're not dealing with the CEO of the company or the board of the company, they're not actually dealing with social in, in, in deep enough manner because the questions that social poses at the highest level can only be answered by the CEO because there, is a, there are multiple correct answers and they have to make a decision which is the direction we want to take our company. Hvis du er interesseret i at få mere viden om, hvad der skaber brands, der gør en forskel, kan du gå ind på ogilvy.dk og abonnere på vores podcast. 